Hello and welcome to the Weekend Booktopia. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about what we're reading at the moment. Joining me today are Sam Joyce, Campaigns Manager. Hello, Sam. Hi, Mark. Uh, we're also joined by Cass Sharp, our Merchandising Coordinator. Hi, Cass. Hi. And we're joined by Nick Vasilia, Social Media Specialist and Producer of this podcast. Hello. Uh, so first we're going to discuss a little bit of book news, then we'll delve into the books everyone is planning to read, and be sure to stick around until the end of the show, when my three guests are going to go head-to-head in a big battle for book quiz supremacy that we like to call book fight. <laughs> if you guys are ready, spill um. <laughs> <Feel> some blood. <laughs> it doesn't get violent, you can... You can... Like, all right. Oh, I think it does. As, I, as, as, as the editor of them, I think it gets very violent. Very. I mean, Dia was very proud that she won Book Fight, and I was like, wait, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a trivia thing about books. She still talks about that every time I've gone into the office. Just being like, I'm just the best one. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, let's get into our book news before we get sidetracked. Uh, so, um, uh, British crime author Mark Dawson has lost a top 10 spot on the Sunday Times bestseller list after he bought 400 copies of his own book, which jumped it from number 13 on the list to number 8. Uh, what are the ethics around this? Who has an opinion? Uh, what, are, what are the ethics around this? I mean, he was already... I believe he was number 13 and then he purchased copies to put himself into the top 10 and I can understand, you know, you know, he's thinking, oh, people in the top 10, they get, um, you know, exposure and there's always, you know, lists and summaries and, and, and it's newsworthy to do that. Um, he did buy the books, like he, he did spend real money and bought them from a real bookstore. Um, it's a bit of a grey area. I guess it really depends on the, the you know, who is calculating those spots, I think in this case it was BookScan, um, what their policies are around what they decide is a genuine purchase. You know, it's mm. their it's their um, data, I guess, it's their so it's their rules that really come into play. Are there any are there any issues around this? Like are we surprised mm. that that the list is manipulated in this way? Um, a lot of things can be manipulated, so mm. I think we've seen other things where people have done something similar and bought lots of copies of their own book because I feel like yeah. this has happened before and I just can't remember who it was or anything yeah. else about it but it was like someone was ringing up like different bookstores and placing like strangely large orders of one yeah. particular book that no one had heard of and then suddenly they were like quite far up the list um yeah I don't know maybe this is something that needs to be clarified by Nielsen or whoever's running like these big lists like New York Times and all that, saying like mm. if you buy a thousand copies of your own book, that doesn't count. So even if you then sell them to other people. So the, yeah. the, the New York Times actually has a way of dealing with this, which they instituted, I think, late last year when Donald Trump yeah. Jr. had a book out and um, the RNC bought like $100,000 <laughs> worth of copies of it. And so they they put um, on the list, they put a little dagger next to it to indicate that it's a bulk order. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's I done think... himself any favours at all by doing this as well because, I mean, a lot of his shtick as well is based on, you know, he likes to pride himself on being a self-published author. 
I mean, mm. and he even admitted to doing this on his podcast, which is called The Self-Publishing Show. I mean, I don't, I think ironically, it doesn't exactly send a good message about self-publishing, does it? That you're buying so many copies of your own book. I think that um, it's important for um, for the lists, you know, these, you know, to not be gamified or manipulated because, you know, um, at a large scale, because you, it ends up privileging people who have the capital to actually make those purchases. Um, mm. There are a lot of uh, avenues for authors, whether they're self-published or not, to to place bulk orders to service, you know, their own. Um, you know, database or, or direct sales, they can buy them directly from the um, the publisher in a lot of cases, or if they're self-publishing, you know, obviously, you know, from the printer, they don't have to go through a bookstore um, to create that sales record. Um, so I think that the the New York Times' approach of having a dagger in there to say, well, we know this is coming from a bulk order, um, mm. it's either for an event or it's either not a genuine, you know, um, customer to, uh, bookstore to customer, personal customer sale. Um, it's I, I'm I'm more worried that um, if this happens repeatedly because people do see the results. This guy got in the news twice at least. He got on the lists that it will just privilege um, people who already have that capital. Yeah, as I as I understand it, this kind of practice is actually relatively common in other industries, like the music industry. I read an article in like 2009 back when the music industry was quite different and people still bought music. Uh, that was about how, you know, Sony would send production assistants down to, like, the local HMV. That's dating mm, me. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, buy 900 <laughs> copies of the latest CD single. I sound like a grandpa. Um, it's, it's, it, it happens. It even happens, like, these times right now. Like, I think this time yeah. last year, Justin Bieber dropped a single called, I think it was Yummy, and he basically said to all of his fans, I want you to play this song back-to-back for... I want you to get millions and millions and millions of plays because I want to get the song to number one on the US charts. Um, yeah. And basically just um, said to all of his fans and all of his and all the people who follow him and have that following, just literally play it back to back, back, even do it while you're asleep. Put it on mute and mm. play it while you're asleep, which is really, it's not exactly. The best way to listen to a Justin Bieber song. <laughs> 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 I actually remember when streaming services started there was a like an indie band that did that it was like put this on mute play while you're asleep and they got you know their their revenue and you know they got um their streaming um uh, royalties from that yeah um with k-pop like because i'm a fan of k-pop there's a there's like a structured way of watching like a new video and then watching a few other things to ensure that like your views count separate views and ways to like drive up those numbers because everyone's doing it and like you just see these enormous numbers like 700 million and something like that in 24 hours and it's wild but um kind of coming back to your point about donald trump there was an interesting thing about how k-pop fans um booked out all these tickets to a donald trump event and then no one turned up so it was like mostly empty People are like, I can't believe they did this. It's like, yeah, BTS did it. <laughs> yeah, K-pop fans are awesome allies. That's, that's yeah. Um, uh, so while we're talking about the music industry, um, a big musician um, announced a memoir recently, um, and that big musician and personality is Mariah Carey, who is going to have a, mm -hmm. an autobiography out um, at the end of the year. 
Uh, who here is a fan of this stunning Deva? Aside from me. Mark's <laughs> <laughs> grabbing a lot of the enthusiasm. She does have an incredible voice, though. And she's had a very interesting life. So that should be quite cool to see in her own words in a book. I mean, the marketing campaign writes itself because it'll be released at the end of the year. All I want for Christmas is... Oh, <laughs> I knew you'd fall for the. I knew you'd, you'd, you'd jump. <laughs> write that. Up. Write that down, Nick. Write that down. campaign. This is literally my job all the time. Mark says something like this, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> it, while I'm personally not a big fan of Mariah Carey, what is so fascinating about her? I mean, she's a real image icon. There's a real diva icon and i the one of the things that i think would be really interesting to hear about this book is kind of that side of things from the inside um because her career of course has had lots and lots of ups and downs and she's had mm. breakdowns in the public eye she's had movies that have failed and all sorts of stuff but then she's come right back with amazing records and it's amazing i'm so curious to see what her perception on image is and I would I'm kind of really excited to see if she does talk about her image and more specifically how that has impacted her life. Um, I reckon you could be onto some really interesting perspectives there. It's an interesting situation. I'd I'd love to read the chapter on her relationship with James, is it James Packer? Yeah, they were they were together yeah. for they were together for a yeah. few months. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say Nick Cannon because they seemed very like in love oh, with yeah. each other, and then suddenly that kind of ended. But yeah, Mariah's um, definitely had an interesting personal life. The the um, what's the name of that that Australian comedian who's famous in America now? Um, who is Jim Jeffries? Jim Jeffries yes. has a bit of stand up that he does about being invited by Mariah Carey to James Packer's birthday to perform a set. And it's so funny. You like you really should look that up. <laughs> his we'll his insight into what she's like is just very, very good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing how she understands herself now. Like because mm. I, I think like right now, and I could be wrong on this, I, I think that her image is the all I want for Christmas is you song, like going massive guns on December and Spotify. Um, every year, and just a bunch of memes, like, you know, her being pushed around on the office chair and stuff so she doesn't have to walk the stage. And, you know, her, like, <laughs> I saw one the other day of her just, like, shoving somebody out of a photo. Like, just, like, just, <laughs> there's so much Brian Carey, like, mm -hmm. memeable content out there, and I'm just curious as to whether she gets that. I'm, I'm fascinated that she's still releasing music. Like, why not just take those All I Want for Christmas royalties and just, you know, retire? <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, didn't she mention that she has bipolar disorder or something like that a while ago? I'm not sure. So that would be another thing mm -hmm. that would be quite interesting to explore in her own written work. Yeah. But even I'm thinking, you know, she went out with Eminem and they had a big fight because, like, they did music videos where, like, people who looked like them were in it. And anyway, <laughs> like, there's a lot there. All right. Um so last bit of book news before we move into what we're reading. Um, Hulu announced today that they're heading forward with an adaptation of Curtis Sidenfeld's Rodham, uh, the uh, imaginary alternate history where Hillary Clinton never married Bill. Uh, who do we think would make a good cast for this adaptation? Hmm. 
That's a good question. I always thought the book idea was so interesting because, like, obviously Hillary and Bill Clinton are real people. And then you've got a mm. book about what their life could have been like just on the bookshelf. And I'm like, would it be like reading fan fiction about yourself if you bought it? Would you want to read it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I highly doubt she would read it. I, I just, <laughs> she's been through enough without somebody, like, reimagining her entire yeah. life. Um, she's got one of her daughters to play her. She? <laughs> I'd imagine so. But um, I don't know. I would cast Margot Robbie because Margot Robbie, I think why you not? could cast her in anything. Yeah. Mm. I've been doing some digging. You know, she's yeah. quite versatile. Mm. Yeah, I've been doing some digging around as well, um, just looking and seeing who would be, who would grab my, like, potentially do something really cool with the role. And I've I've got I've got two for, two, two for Bill and two for... Um, for Hillary, I actually I'm a massive fan of Carrie Mulligan, and I actually reckon oh, yeah. I actually and I haven't seen her in anything for a while, and I actually think that she mm. could really pull it off. Um, mm. Aside from that, also because she this other actress has also done uh, American historical figures before and is amazing at it. Um, Natalie Portman, I actually reckon would be a really mm. good. Oh. Yeah, she did um, Jackie Kennedy. She mm. did, and she was amazing as Jackie Kennedy. And I was just going like, yeah, but does she look like Hillary? Like when Hillary's younger and I looked at photos and I'm like, oh, there actually is like some similarity there. You could do something with that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I can see them. Yeah. And it's new prosthetics. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Like makeup and things. And then for Bill, I was originally, I immediately was thinking to myself, oh, Clive Owen would be great, but I actually looked it up. It's, it turns out he's already going to be playing Bill in an American crime story series next year. So I was going, okay, well, that's weird. Um, but for a young Bill, like, I reckon I'm still watching The Great at the moment. So all I'm looking at is thinking, would Nicholas Holt be a really good Bill Clinton? Oh. Would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. It's too skinny. He's, he's, like, he's, he's, very, he's very, like, straight He need to put on weight. He need to put on weight. <laughs> I feel like he looks like you'd put him in a certain type of role as like a posh private school boy or something. But like when you give him something, then suddenly he like transforms. Mm, um, like he was so good in the favorite. But anyway, um, I don't know. I feel like I've, the last movie I watched was The Disaster Artist. So I feel like just picking someone who like wildly is completely out of left field. <laughs> I feel like Tommy was so casting himself as the main character, possibly a vampire, would probably be what I would be doing. <laughs> so picking oh, someone completely yeah. random. An unknown. Yes. Tommy Wiseau as, as as Bill Clinton would be amazing. <laughs> Stella, <laughs> I think but that would Hillary, be you're too angry. <laughs> I'm fed up with the world. Don't tell anyone about my stuff. Oh hi, Brock. <laughs> oh hi, Monica. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my peak, Tommy Wiseau, playing Love all it. the characters. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, It'd make a great Hillary. I, I'll, I'll let's email Hulu after this. We'll get it done. <laughs> okay. So, um, who wants to go first and talk about what they're reading at the moment? Let's go with. I'm going to select one of you at random. Sam. Okay. Um, I have two books that I am reading right now, or I just finished both of them, really. Um, so I finally just finished uh, the animals in that country. Uh, by Laura Jean McKay. It's been going for a while. I literally sped through half the first half of it and then took a break 
because I was busy watching watching other things and then I really just finished it um, last night. Um, so I've spoken a, a little bit about it before, but it's basically a um, kind of speculative fiction about a future in Australia where there's a pandemic. It's a bit like a flu. Um, and the symptoms of this flu is that it basically makes you able to understand and communicate with animals. Um, but this, you know, she, Laura G. McKay takes it to, you know, I guess it's inevitable conclusion in the fact that this isn't just like your cat and your dog, you know, this is snakes, this is birds, insects, you know, flies, you know, the rats in the walls and the ants on the ground that you're stepping on, you don't even know, but you can hear them. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And of course, you know, that leads people, it just, you know, society collapses. But at the heart of this story is, you know, um, uh, this woman who is basically searching for her grandchild. Um, and I thought it would actually make a really interesting mini series in the way it's structured and her journey, which kind of has parts um, as she travels through the country to, you know, following her son and, you know, to find her granddaughter before you know, she thinks that her, you know, her son will put her, her grandchild into danger. Um, I won't spoil the ending necessarily, but I think the ending of it was um, satisfying and appropriate for the type of book that it is. Um, it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. I really loved the way the author wrote the animal's characters and gave them, you know, a certain, each, each animal type had its own way of speaking and its own reference point. Birds in particular are terrifying. Um, they want to eat everyone. They see you all as like, you know, basically prey. They're going to kill you later or they're going to wait for you to die and then eat you. Um, so there was really kind of interesting the way she wrote their dialogue, almost very, almost like poetry. Um, Mark, I know you read it as well. And I know you, you, you had a different experience of this book. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just biting my tongue. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like weird. I like weird fiction. Um, and I, this I is like, like a very weird... I like sort of story. I like weird fiction as well. This one just didn't quite do it for me. I'm not gonna. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not gonna go into it now because then it'll turn into a fight. I know that Nick is a huge fan of this book as well. Yes, I, I was lucky enough to be able to review it and then also interview uh, Laura um, Jean McKay as well alongside Ben, who is also a massive, massive fan of this book, and I loved it. I was completely. Uh, in, engrossed in this world and particularly, you know, as you head into the latter half of the book where things just start completely breaking down, you've, you're yeah. losing all sense of anything making sense yeah. at all, which I just thought was incredible. And, I, and, I'm, yeah. and I'll, I'll keep my, I will, I will not uh, go any further because Mark and I have already had a couple of arguments yeah. about this book, um, <laughs> but I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Just the, yeah, I mean, I'm still left with questions. I'm still left with, you know, what happens next and what did the whales really want, you know? Um, and, 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 don't talk about the whales. I don't want to talk about the whales. It's too sad. But it was, yeah, it, it was, it was fascinating. And I felt, I felt kind of interesting in terms of its content, in terms of the timeliness of it. Of course, you know, she, she wrote this a while ago, you know, she obviously had no way of knowing, you know, that it would be released, you know, within this, you know, period of um, coronavirus, but um, yeah, it's. I felt it was a really interesting um, look at animals, look at country. It was very. I felt very. It was very Australian. I, you got a real sense of the environment. It was a very sensory experience reading it. Um, yeah, I really liked it. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's your second book? 
My second book is All Systems Read by Martha Wells. Have you read this? I've got, I've got it. I've not no. read it yet. You need to read this. You need to read this. Um, so I've been seeing this kind of floating around in my in my periphery for a little while now, and I finally was able to read the first in this series. So it's I think it's four novellas, a full-length novel, and then I think there's another novella coming out after that. So I'm excited for what the future holds for me because I will definitely be reading this series. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's... Um, basically uh, called The Murderbot Diaries and it's a the series is called and it's about um, a sec unit which is like a a, a soldier robot a protective robot um, that follows around these uh, explorers these colonists and researchers on this planet Um, but it's managed to hack its own system so it it doesn't follow the orders that it's given because it has to it chooses to continue to protect these people and they don't know that it's actually not required to follow their orders if it doesn't want to. And really all it wants to do is just watch TV all day <laughs> and read books um, in the feed. So I thought that was uh, you know, a really interesting perspective. It's this um, an interesting character because it's genderless, it's a robot, you know, it, it just wants to, you know, live its own life. Um, there's that kind of internal I guess, um, conflict where it's really just about trying to discover itself, wanting to protect its secret um, and live, you know, its own life freely. But then in this first novel, you've got this really interesting external conflict where the explorers on this planet basically find out that um, they've been given the wrong maps and they haven't been told about the dangers um, that are actually on this planet. Um, And throughout the the course of the the novella, you sort of find out why. Um, and the the sec unit and its team, you know, interact and grow in their relationships, and it was yeah really interesting to see. But it's really driven by this character, and it's all from that perspective. And I think Martha Wells has done an absolutely fantastic job of bringing this character to life so completely and making you love it so much at the same time. So I highly recommend it. I need to um there's a, a box set of the first four novellas coming out I think in September, so uh, that's uh that's going on the pre order. excellent all right um thanks for that sam Cass, what have you been reading um so i'm doing the reading rush which used to be booktubeathon so it's like a week-long um readathon where lots of people are trying to read as much as they can to meet these seven prompts um so i started with a book called sorry i'm late i didn't want to come which is by Jessica Pan, and it's and it's subtitled An Introvert's Guide to Living Dangerously, where she realises, like, she's somehow ended up with a life where she's a freelancer and she's just at home and she only talks to her barista and her husband. So she starts to, like, try and get out of her comfort zone and even though she's terrified of talking to other people, like, that's going to be the key to helping her build, like, the life that she wants. Um, so I've started that. It's pretty fun. Um, the next one is, well, this is for the prompt, um, a book you don't usually, in a genre you don't usually read. And I buy a lot of nonfiction books and I find it difficult to read them just because, like, they're so dense and there's so many names. And, like, um, when I read, I tend to focus on dialogue and I tend to skip over, like, just huge chunks of text just because that's what's interesting to me. But if you do that in a nonfiction book, you can end up, like, three years later in, like, two paragraphs. You're just like, what happened? Anyway. Um, the brain that changes itself is all about neuroplasticity. So the idea that like our brain can compensate for different senses being damaged or um, impaired in some ways. And the idea that 
like you can change your brain, which was actually quite a novel new idea that only kind of came about recently, which is very cool. But again, it's very dense, like it's very sciencey. And I'm like holding the dictionary of the words and be like, what does this mean? I haven't done science since you 10. I bought that book when Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I was just going to say, I bought that book when I, when I first no, came out. Right. And I was like, this this book will stop me from being stupid because I'll tell me how to program my brain to be a smart person. And it's just sitting on my e-reader and has been for eight years. <laughs> I, I mean, it. I had a physical copy of the book. And I don't know where it was. I bought a digital copy of the book. Um, yeah, what else am I reading? Um, I just finished Jonesy, which is by Sam Humphreys, and I can't remember who it's illustrated by, which is about this girl, and she's in high school, and she's a teenager who, like, kind of looks down on all the mainstream stuff that's happening, and it's got this gorgeous bright art style and, like, these amazing colours and everything. And her big secret is that she has a secret crush on this pop star and she makes a zine about him, but also that she has the power to make anyone fall in love with anything or anyone, except it doesn't work on herself. Oh. <laughs> so she can't make like, her crush fall in love with her, oh, but man. she can divert people's attention. Um, and her dad runs a donut shop and it's just, it's cute. And they get into like all kinds of hijinks. Um, yeah, so I finished that and I'm just thinking of what else I'm reading. There is something else. Um, the Little Book of Big Feelings, which is by, I think she's an artist named Marzi. This is a very old NetGalley arc, so it's out now. <laughs> you can buy it now and probably could have like sometime. Um, but it's basically just like a very gentle illustrated guide to different kinds of emotions and how, like the good things and the bad things about them and how to acknowledge and like utilize them. So I think that's sort of what I've been looking for in the comics that I've read this month because I've read a couple that have touched on mental illness, but not particularly deeply. It was very kind of surface level, whereas it was like, this is how I feel when I feel like this. And this is a thing that happened. And this is how I dealt with it. Well, here's some like tips on how to handle blah, and so on, which is really good. I've nearly finished it. I was very surprised. Those are all amazing recommendations, Cass. You always bring such interesting, interesting titles to us. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I love that concept about that girl who can make anybody fall in love with anything, but it doesn't work on herself. That's such a great yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, I think her dad's got like a secret power as well because she wants to get a tattoo and he's like, don't make me use the hand. And he's like, I don't want, I don't care if you use the hand. And then he, and he's like, this is the hand that like quells all arguments. And I think like his power is like getting people to calm down. <laughs> because you're just like, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, yeah. thank you for that, Cass. Um, yeah. Nick, what about you? I feel slightly, slightly silly because you guys have brought a whole bunch of books. Do you want to know how many books <laughs> I've brought? One. One. One book. But enough. <laughs> yeah, but I fortunately I've just finished today. Um, Traveler at the Gates of Wisdom uh, by John Boyne, uh, who many may know as the as the writer of the Boy in Striped Pajamas. Um, which, uh, and the book is, I have absolutely loved it. It's kind of, oh, the best way to describe it, it's so, it's essentially like the story of one family told through millennium. So it's like told through like a kaleidoscope of interconnecting characters in each chapter. Um, and as the story evolves, you know, they're all connected to one family and then, as the story evolves, people in the family change, the names change, the setting changes, 
but you start to see like a pattern emerging um, that despite, you know, being separated by like, you know, generations, all of the kind of the, the essence of the family and the people in it kind of remain the same. It's like doing doing stories told across millennia like this. I mean, it's, it has been done before. And I think probably the more, the most recent one would be something like David Mitchell would have done with Cloud Atlas. But the big difference mm -hmm. here is unlike Dave, David doing like, you know, using like a sci-fi element and kind of really wearing that on its sleeve. This is a lot more emotionally driven. There's no like science fiction element to it. This is just storytelling about life, death, um, love, betrayal. And kind of the thing that really stuck out, uh, stuck out for me is that, you know, like while, you know, you're seeing all of these stories of all of these people, um, the story for them ends when they die which is similar for all of us, but John Boyne continues it on and he's showing, and it, it, there's a weird cycle going on of life after death and life, that life still continues even after all of these people die. It's it's a really intense read. It's a very exhausting read, um, but you in the at the end of it, you're kind of in awe of just the human spirit really in a way and the fact that the uh, so many of the ideas and um, and essence of the of this family still continues long long after many many members of it have now have passed on which is actually quite a nice sentiment um hmm. from the book really so, um spoiler alert everybody dies <laughs> well, isn't that the case for everything really when you think about it <laughs> what does this book turn me into <laughs> we all die in the end <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it is a really great book, and it's it's very ambitious. Um, like I think it's the most wide scoped book of Boynes that I've read. Um, but I loved it. I mean, you you'll be completely emotionally exhausted at the end of it, but um, it's definitely definitely worth your time. Really good read. What of his other books have you read? Well, um, Boyne in Striped Pajamas is one, which obviously, if, given the subject matter, if anyone has also seen the film, is is not for the faint of heart. Um, and the only other one I've read is the um, the Telegram Man, which is the other one that he's he's really uh, he's really known for. And I really, I actually quite like that one. I preferred it to um, Boyne Striped Pajamas, but I must say, like, I like, I just like how ambitious this one is. Though the, those ones, by comparison, because it's more of its own self-contained. There's a self, more of a self-contained element to it, while this one just feels wide, all-encompassing, and it's tackling big themes and big concepts and big ideas that are prevalent in all of our lives. And it's just, but the way it does it is really fascinating and really big. So, absolutely love it. And is that one is that out now, or is that coming soon? It's out. So, where for context, we're recording this uh, Thursday, July twenty-third. Um, it comes out today. In fact, so today is the, it, it came out, and I actually sent the I sent the review off to live earlier today. So there will be a review up on the blog uh, around you know if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, um, the, there will be a review up on the Booktopian blog of this book as well. So highly recommended. Um, make sure you get a copy. Great. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for sharing your book recommendations with us. And now we come to the part of the show where. You guys have to roll your sleeves up and get, get, get. Uh, I'm trying to think of a sports metaphor and I'm getting a blank. I'm just thinking about Joe saying short games are good games. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 
Book, book fight, book fight, punching sound attack. There we go. Uh, so the way that this works is that I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Uh, there's all kinds of points up for grabs. Maybe I'll punish you, maybe I won't if you get a wrong answer. I don't know. I tend to make up the rules as I go along. And that's the important thing to remember as well is that I'm in control. So be nice to me. Um, so the way that this works is that we each need to choose a... Uh, a um, buzzer sound that you will shout out to buzz in and claim the question uh, when it's okay. asked and then that question is yours to answer. So Sam, what word would you like to use to buzz in? Can I just use my name? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> All right. What about you, Cass? Um, I guess I'll just use my name as well. Okay. What about you, Nick? <laughs> love how your energy went down after that. I am going to go with I'm going to steal the na uh, a name from the animals in that country, and I'm, my buzzword will be Sue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, even though I don't watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> These are the least imaginative buzzers we've had in this show so far. Um, so I'm trying to point it in all of you. I'm going to subtract a point from each of you right now. <laughs> This is, really a, this is about efficiency. Point. I need to be able to buzz in quickly. This is a strategic decision. Yeah. I'm not here to make friends. She's here to win. Yeah. That's right. Would you prefer if my buzzer was a loud ah sound or something? Nobody, like that. No, nobody wants that. <laughs> if my buzzer was, it probably would not. Okay. Are we, are we ready? Children. Yes. Quiet, yep. quiet in class. All right. Which book won the 2020 Miles Franklin Award? Sam. Sam. The Yield? Yes. Ding. Yay! <laughs> okay, question two. Speaking of awards, which major book awards long list is going to be announced next week? Two. The yeah. Booker Awards. <laughs> the, uh, the Booker Award long list. Dial it down, dude. <laughs> 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 okay, now... I've made a snap decision with this next one. This is a question where you could get seven points or you could get zero points. Because I'm going to ask you to list every book in a series. And if you get one of them wrong, you get nothing. But if you get them all right, you get a point for each one. So name every book in A Song of Ice and Fire, including the titles of the two as yet unpublished novels. Throwing this to Sam because I don't know. Do we have to do it in order? I probably shouldn't have said that thing about you guys getting zero points. <laughs> <laughs> I can do some. Uh, Sue, I'll have a go. Okay. Um, a Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. um, A Feast for Crows, uh, mm -hmm. a, um, a Dance of Dragons. Um, mm. uh, 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 okay, I've got three. I've got three. Uh, Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring are the two that haven't been published. Um isn't there like a, a, a can I help? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two points. No team bike allowed. I can't remember the second one. There's a second, the second and the third one, I think, are the ones that I'm missing. Um, there's a sword one. Uh, a, a, a storm of no, not storm of swords. Storm of swords? No, I think. No helping. Ah, um, <laughs> I will switch your camera up, Sam. Oh, oh god, oh, I need to. I can't remember the last one. There's, there's one more. You can chat you privately. Um, yeah, privately chat me. Quick. No, no, private chat. No. Yeah, but I get no points if I get this wrong. I know, it's hilarious. Ah. 
Um, oh, no, no, okay. No, I know the name of this. I know the name of this. There's one more. It's the second one that I can't remember the name of. Um, yeah, I'm buggered. I got nothing. <laughs> Anybody? Okay, I'll, I'll open it up. Anybody want to jump in and help? I'm not awarding points, but if you want to... <laughs> Is it, we've done you've done the dragon one. Is it is it there is there a shield one? I've read all of these. I like I should know. All right. The answer is a Game of Thrones, a Clash of Kings. That's the one I was looking for. A Clash for. of Kings. Storm of Swords, Beast for Crows, Dance with Dragons, The Winds of Winter, and A Dream of Spring. I also would have accepted a time for wolves because that was the initial title of A Dream of Spring that he announced. But it's Okay. So not but who knows? The way those books are going, there could be eight or nine or ten of them, um, or mm. or just stay on five forever. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay, so uh, zero no. points. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Okay. That's harsh. Next, next question. <laughs> the evening and the morning is an upcoming novel by Ken Follett. What Uber bestseller is it the prequel to? Cass. Cass. The Pillars of Earth. The Pillars of the Earth. Very good. All right. Well, that, that was that was a very clean, um, quick question. <laughs> okay. Which novel opens with this line? All this happened, more or less. That's so generic. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> it's super famous. <laughs> I feel like every oh, week I ask, it, I ask the first line question and I get silence, and then I'm like, it's super famous, and nobody gets it. Well, I was still like, all this, this happened more or less. In your, in your defense, Mark, if this was last week, I would have absolutely been straight on it because I definitely love the Voyage of the Dawn Treader and would have been all but over it's the not, East. It's not Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and it's not last week, Nick. It's this week. And the <laughs> <laughs> What's the genre? Yeah, it's a famous 20th century American science fiction novel. Hitchhiker's Guide. No. <laughs> Is it a Philip? Okay, um, Sue. Is it a Philip K. Dick novel? Uh, you say Sue to buzz in with an answer, not a question. I ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you a clue. I will. I will allow the clue. Um, it's not a Philip K. Dick novel. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. But it's, uh, it's Sam. Sam. No, you finish your clue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll give you a clue. There's a number in the title. And it's not Catch-22. Cass? Cass. 1984? Nope. Oh. Do we all give up? Mm -hmm. Sue? Yeah. Is there, a book called, is there a book called Seven? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm going off movies now. Um, Cass, is it Slaughterhouse-Five? Yes, Cass! <laughs> Cass is the win. Oh, well sorry. Well done. I only mean, book I could think of with a number in the title. <laughs> Okay, so we're, we're getting close to the end. The next mm -hmm. question you have the potential to get a lot of points with. So just just going by the tallies right now, um, Sam is on one point, Cass is on two, and Nick is on one. Uh, so Cass is in the lead. Uh, but it's still anybody's game. If somebody can name as many books as you can that take place on the ocean. Can we do this independently or like we have to do it all in one go? Like, for example, Cast the Ancient Mariner, Cast Moby Dick. 
Well, if you buzz yeah. in, you just like name as many as you can. So I, I'll okay. take that with you buzzing in, Cass. So you did, right? So what did you do? Um, the Ancient Mariner. Um, it's a poem, but I'll look at it. Maybe Dick. Um, maybe Dick. Can I buzz one in as well? Part of the city. Cass is Cass. I can't think of anything else right now that Jojo Moyes won about, like, the boat. <laughs> like, going somewhere. Um, I can't think of anything else. The boat by Nam Lee. Is that who wrote it? Yeah. Yep. Um, I can't think of anything else right now, but I'll come back. Okay, that's... Sam. That, I believe that's fine. Sam, go. Uh, the Life of Pi. Yeah. Ooh. Moby Dick. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um... Um, uh, yeah, the, the book is about the movie that Russell Crowe was in. The Warden's Master and Commando. Oh, cool. Last Master and Commando book. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick O'Brien's Aubrey Maturin novels. I think that one was based on a book called The Far Side of the World. I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Sue, I've got two. All right. Okay. Well, one is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, obviously. Oh, my God. Let it go. <laughs> and uh, The Odyssey. Homer's poem, The Odyssey. Uh, that, that takes place at sea the whole time. Okay, I'll allow it. Um, okay, so that that was good. So um, so Sam got three points off that question. Cass, I count five. And Nick, uh, you have two wow. off that. So Awesome, Cass. Our totals are Sam is on a total of four, Cass is on a total of seven, and Nick is on a total of three. And the last question, complete this famous quote. All the world's a stage. Sam. Sam. And the people merely players? I'll give it to you. The actual quote is, um, and all the men and women merely players, but men and women are people. All right, I'll give you that, Sam. I also also would have accepted, um, and everyone has their own part, how was I to know which way the story would go? How was I to know you'd break, you'd break, you'd break, you'd break, you'd break my heart? Which is... (laughs) Take a bath on the demo. Brew, jeez Louise. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> niche questions today. Okay. So uh, niche. <laughs> so Sam got a total of uh, five. Cass got seven. Nick got three. I'm giving myself one for the Madonna thing because I thought that was that was good. <laughs> But that means I'm sensing some bias in this particular quiz because we've been doing this for five weeks now and never have we ever offered saying with the particular Game of Thrones question, if you get them wrong, you get zero. Savage. It's my quiz and I get to make up the rules <laughs> and the rules are based on mood and I will switch off your camera and your microphone if you don't <laughs> The show, can't do that. <laughs> okay, just edit you out. Well, well, well done, Cass. Um, we didn't need to go to a tiebreaker question because you were uh, the clear winner. Well done. That is book fight done for another week. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Nick, Sam, and Cass, for joining me. Thanks so much. Uh, and The Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Vasilia. Uh, and you can find links to the books that we've discussed today in the episode description, or you can just find them at booktopia.com.au. Uh, I'm sure that Nick is going to jump up right now and search for Voyage of the Dawn Treader, so you can get a good <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and you can listen to all of our shows for free right now on SoundCloud and iTunes, including our recent uh, podcast interview with Jay Kristoff. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Weekend Booktopia. Until then, uh, thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.